Thank you for joining us for the first Missouri River Basin Water Management Conference call of 2012. I am Monique Farmer and I will be the moderator for today's calls. These calls are recorded in their entirety. Your participation acknowledges your consent to be recorded. The agenda for today's call will be as follows. We will have opening remarks from the Northwestern Division Commander, Brigadier General John McMahon, followed by a forecast update from Dr. Dennis Toddy, a South Dakota State climatologist. He will be speaking on behalf of the NOAA Climate Prediction Center about Missouri River Basin conditions and the long-term precipitation and temperature outlook. Then we will have the release of the final annual operating plan for 2012 and the reservoir release update from Jody Farhat, Chief of the Missouri River Basin Water Management Division. That will be followed by levee repair status updates provided by Kim Thomas, the Chief of the Omaha District Emergency Operations Center. We will also receive an update on repairs from Kansas City District. Then we will hold uh, questions by state. We use a force mute function during this call. To unmute your line during the call, please enter star six. This function does not work on all phones, so please be aware that if this mute function does not work on your phone, all others on the call will be able to hear your conversation. I would now like to do a roll call for this afternoon's speakers. General McMahon, sir, are you on? Monique, Roger, how do you hear me, over? Yes, I can hear you, sir. Thank you. Dr. Toddy, are you on the call? Star six to come off mute, Dr. Toddy. Uh, yes, I'm on the call. Am I coming through okay? Yes, you are. Thank you very much. Do we have a representative from the Emergency Operations Center in Kansas City District on the line? Hey, Monique, this is Colonel Hoffman. we got a whole team here. Over. Good afternoon, Colonel Hoffman. Thank you, sir. We will now begin the call with opening remarks from General McMahon. Well, good afternoon, and thank you all for joining us. Uh, very briefly, I just want to highlight uh, two things. Uh, this is the first uh, call in a series of calls that uh, the Corps is planning to host twice a month uh, for the purpose of uh, disseminating current information uh, as we understand it with respect to uh, weather forecasts, uh, release uh, schedules, uh, groundwater conditions, and whatnot, leveraging the expertise uh, throughout the government and uh, looking to, uh, as we learn from the independent uh, external panel recommendations and other uh, sources through the course of last fall's uh, annual operating plan meetings, that uh, we needed to do a better job to communicate with the citizens of the basin that we serve. And uh, this is our, our attempt, uh, part of our attempt to do that very thing. So um, this is intended to be interactive, and we're going to do that in, in the way that uh, Monique Farmer uh, described and, and give everybody the opportunity to ask questions and, and clarify uh, what's brief today. We appreciate uh, your interest and participation in this call. And we have an expectation that uh, that you know that the word will be further disseminated through the media, through the the CODEL, through the governor's offices, and other uh, means and, and places, so that uh, we get as wide a coverage as possible, so that uh, as many of the citizens in the basin are informed 
uh, with the latest uh, information as we understand it. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll turn it back to Monique. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We will now move on with Dr. Toddy, um, South Dakota State Climatologist. He will provide a report of basin conditions and the long-term precipitation and temperature outlook forecast. Uh, thank you. Um, we are, I am the state climatologist for South Dakota. We're working in partnership with, with NOAA on this, the Climate Prediction Center and other NOAA partners in uh, providing this uh, current update to information and update to the outlooks. Uh, first thing we probably should do is look at what the situation is with current conditions uh, and recent conditions across the basin. Um, it has been a very dry fall for much of the, of the, of the basin. Uh, where we have very dry soil conditions in certain areas or moderately dry soil conditions going into certain areas, uh, which is, has lots of soil moisture capacity uh, to take up any additional moisture at this point. That's quite a contrast from what we had last year where we had fairly widespread wet soil. Uh, so that's that something we're looking at positive. Uh, we also have a uh, limited to no snowpack in the prairie areas. Again, in sharp contrast, last year where we had uh, we had a fairly extensive snowpack uh, throughout the Dakotas and Montana. Uh, this year, there is very minimal snowpack across the across the basin. Um, there have been a few snows that have come along. Uh, most of them have not been long lived; they have melted off. Um, so there is there is very little snow in the basin going on, or very little snow in the basin at this point. Uh, in the mountains, uh, there is uh, you know, the mountain snowpack. We are still fairly early in the season in the way of mountain snowpack. Um, most of the numbers coming out, a report coming out from NRCS uh, after the first of the year, but the situation with the mountain snowpack appears to be running near average for this time of year uh, to some places uh, uh, behind average for this time of year. So. Uh, near to somewhat less than average is, is the situation with the snowpack flowing into the basin. Again, for the prairie area and for the mountain area, we are still early in the season. The peak snow time is still to come uh, with the late season February, March. Uh, so there still is time to collect snow, to collect and, and put snowfall in these areas. But in contrast with last year, uh, we are well behind uh, where we were in the way of, of snow accumulation at this point. Um, from a current status situation, obviously we've had very warm temperatures, very dry conditions recently, setting a lot of records uh, across the area. That That is in contrast with what we would expect to have during a La Nina year. We have a La Nina going on right now. Uh, the standard for La Nina years tends to be below average temperatures. That's not been the case. Uh, but we are going to be seeing a shift uh, as January goes on to more La Nina-like conditions where temperatures will turn colder and go to colder than average. It looks like by later in January, uh, most of the upper part of the basin will go to below average temperatures, which will be in contrast to what we've seen recently. From a pre precipitation standpoint, precipitation chances are going to increase as we go along in the month. The current uh, 6 to 10 day and 8 to 14 day outlooks are showing increased chances for precipitation. Uh, these do not look like major systems at this point, but beginning to see an increased chance for precipitation. Um, from a longer range standpoint, uh, the 
the, the outlooks, the, the, the new outlooks are being prepared. They'll be released in, in two weeks. Uh, for the, the new outlooks, they're released once monthly, the 30- and 90-day outlooks. Uh, the current status of the outlooks will maintain that uh, near to above average chances for precipitation will, will maintain in the upper part of the basin uh, for the mountain areas. In the plains areas, uh, are equal chances for below or above average precipitation. Um, that, that was kind of a shift from early in the season to expecting equal chances. Early in the season, we were, there was discussion about above average chances. Now we back off to equal chances. Uh, there will be updates on these coming out from the Climate Prediction Center um, two weeks from yesterday, and uh, then we'll be able to give further updates at that point. Um, Kevin from, from NOAA, the River Forecast Center, uh, is also on the call and uh, able to take questions, although he will not be making an official statement uh, because it's, they have uh, not released any uh, official stream flow forecast for this time of year. Thank you, Dr. Tidy. We will now have um, Jody Farhat, Chief of the Missouri River Basin Water Management Division, discuss the release of the final annual operating plan for 2012. She will be followed um, with a report from her staff members, Senior Hydrologist Kevin Stom and Joel Nostinski on current basin conditions. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in this first Missouri Basin Outlook call. We appreciate your participation and we look forward to working with you as we move into the 2012 runoff season. We want these calls to be as useful as possible, so if you have suggestions for improvements, please let us know. Following our fall public meetings, the Corps committed to taking a more flexible posture as the 2011 flood water was evacuated from the reservoir system and an aggressive release schedule throughout the winter and spring if it appeared that 2012 would be another high runoff year. We also committed to better communication with congressional delegations, states, tribes, and stakeholders, and this call is part of that effort. Flood control is certainly the primary consideration as we move into 2012. Despite the fact that all of the 2011 flood water has now been evacuated from the reservoir system, the basin remains vulnerable since many repairs have not been completed, particularly with the levees. The Corps only recently received funding from Congress to begin the bulk of the repairs, and the Omaha and Kansas City districts will discuss that following this water management update. As many of you know, the Corps enlisted the assistance of an independent panel of experts to review, analyze, and assess the Corps' operation of the reservoir system during the 2011 flood event. The panel submitted its findings to the Corps on December 19th, and that report is available on our website. The panel's report included a number of recommendations for improvement, many of which we have already begun to implement and others that may require detailed analysis and a formal stakeholder process. The recommendations that we have already begun to implement or will in the near future include updating many of our hydrologic studies to include the record 2011 runoff season. An analysis of how additional flood control storage may improve flood risk reduction for storms greater than the current design storm, including runoff greater than or equal to the 2011 flood event. This study will include a limited investigation of the potential impacts to other authorized project purposes and will be used along with other information to determine whether or not a master manual revision or reallocation study should be considered. 
Another panel recommendation we are implementing is better collaboration with other state, federal, and agencies and our field offices to improve our runoff forecasts, particularly as it relates to plain snowpack. And was mentioned earlier, we are improving our outreach efforts through earlier and more frequent communication. This morning, we posted the final 2012 annual operating plan on our website. In it, we described these changes we have made as a result of the independent review panel recommendations. We also attempted in the AOP to address the comments we received on the draft report, both written comments and oral comments received at the public. It is important to note that the AOP is not intended to be a forecast for the coming year. Rather, it examines a range of potential runoff scenarios spanning 80% of the historic record and provides stakeholders an array of potential reservoir levels and releases that may be expected under various runoff scenarios. It also indicates how the reservoir system will be regulated to serve all eight authorized purposes to fulfill our responsibility to the tribes and how we intend to comply with environmental laws, including the Endangered Species Act. In contrast, our real-time regulation of the reservoir system is done using the best available hydrologic and climatic information and is adjusted to respond to changing conditions on the ground. Each month, and more frequently if needed, we produce updated runoff and reservoir regulation forecasts. Earlier this week, we posted the January runoff and reservoir regulation forecasts to our website and yesterday uh, sent out a press release regarding these studies. Now I'll ask two of the senior engineers in my office to describe these studies in detail. We'll begin with Kevin Stom, who will discuss the updated 2012 runoff forecast. Thank you, Jody. First of all, I'd like to talk a little bit about how the end of the calendar year 2011 runoff season uh, ended. In December of 2011, the Missouri River runoff was 1.4 million acre-feet, or about 185% of normal above Sioux City, and 1.1 million acre-feet, or about 162% of normal above Gavin's Point. While precipitation during this time period was largely below normal, much warmer than normal temperatures throughout the basin inhibited ice formation, allowing the rivers to flow freely, resulting in much higher than normal runoff into the system. As a result, at the end of the calendar year 2011, runoff above Sioux City was 61.2 million acre-feet, or 247% of normal, and above Gavin's Point Dam, 51.5 million acre-feet, which is 226% of normal. The January 1 forecast for the 2012 runoff season above Sioux City is 26.5 million acre-feet, or 107% of normal. And above Gavin's Point Dam, it is 22.8 million acre-feet, which is 100% of normal. Due to the amount of variability in precipitation that can occur over the next 12 months, the range of expected inflow is quite large and ranges from the 36.2 million acre-feet upper basic forecast to the 17.8 million acre-feet lower basic forecast. The upper and lower basic forecasts provide a likely range of runoff scenarios that could occur given a much wetter conditions or much drier conditions. Factors taken into consideration while preparing our 2012 forecast include soil moisture content, the presence of soil frost, the presence of high water tables in some regions, plain snowpack, mountain snowpack, and the Climate Prediction Center's monthly and seasonal temperature and precipitation outlooks. Soil moisture in the basin 
is slightly above normal at this time in northern and eastern Montana, but it quickly dries out, moving east and south into the Dakotas, Iowa, and Nebraska. Following the record year of runoff, water tables are still high in some regions, particularly northeast Montana, central and eastern North Dakota, and northeast South Dakota. In general, the higher the soil moisture and water table, the higher the runoff and base flow. Soil frost is mostly non-existent in central and eastern South Dakota, but is present at depths of 12 to 18 inches from northern South Dakota to northeast Montana, which is about normal for this time of year. As of January 1, 2012, Plain snowpack was limited to a thin cover of less than one inch of snow water equivalent in far northern boundary areas of the Missouri River Basin. Mountain snowpack was 79% of normal in the reach above Fort Peck and 96% of normal from Fort Peck to Garrison. The Climate Prediction Center is currently forecasting a change in winter conditions by mid to late January to more wetter than normal precipitation conditions and colder than normal temperatures in the Rocky Mountains and the Northern Plains. These conditions are forecast to continue in February and March, returning to more normal conditions by the summer. In January and February, higher than normal runoff volumes are forecast to continue throughout the basin. During March and April, in spite of very little snowpack in the plains, runoff into the main stem system is forecast to be above normal with the expectation that greater than normal precipitation will occur for the second half of January through March, according to the CPC outlooks. Precipitation in March and April can occur as both snow and rain. The May through July forecast for Fort Peck is about 90% of normal, while for Garrison, it is about 101% of normal again with the expectation that greater than normal precipitation will occur late winter and early spring, accompanied by colder than normal conditions per outlooks from the CPC. After July, runoff will follow a near to slightly below normal trend in the Fort Peck and Garrison reaches. Runoff will begin to fall below normal in all other areas of the basin in May with the exception of the Sioux City reach. The Sioux City reach has consistently produced much higher than normal runoff for the past few years. The runoff forecast for this reach is 182% of normal for the calendar year, largely based on the past 30-year runoff average. This forecast has been verified with NRCS water supply forecasts, and I might also note that a more thorough explanation of the 2012 calendar year forecast has been posted to our website. Thank you. Okay, now Joel Konofchinsky will discuss the planned regulation of the reservoirs based on the runoff forecast that was just described. Thank you, Jody. To start with, all 2011 floodwaters were evacuated from the system in December. System storage is currently at 56.7 million acre-feet, or 0.1 million acre-feet below the base of the annual flood control zone. Gavin's Point releases averaged 27,700 CFS in December. Releases were stepped down from 40,000 CFS to 22,000 CFS by mid-December, with the plan to reduce Gavin's releases to 20,000 during the winter. However, the warmer temperatures and the lack of river ice have allowed us to maintain the Gavin's Point release at 22,000 CFS. Releases will be held at that level through February, barring ice-related concerns. Getting on to the Janu January 1st forecast studies and utilizing the three different runoff conditions that Kevin just discussed, which were the basic uh, runoff forecast along with the lower basic and upper basic runoff forecasts. And based on those studies, at the beginning of March, which is the start of the runoff season, under the basic runoff 
forecast, we anticipate being at 56.5 million acre-feet or 0.3 million acre-feet below the base of annual flood control zone. This would make for a total of 16.6 million acre-feet of flood storage available for the 2012 runoff season. For March 1st, under the lower runoff forecast, we're looking at 56.2 million acre-feet or 0.6 million acre-feet below the base of flood, annual flood control zone. And under the upper runoff forecast, we're looking at 56.8 million acre-feet at the 1st of March, which would be at the base of the annual flood control zone. Now looking at navigation service level, this which is used to determine support releases from Gavin's Point Dam to help provide an 8 to 9 foot deep navigation channel downstream depending on our system storage conditions. Under the basic runoff forecast, we would be providing full service navigation. Um, this would require Gavin's Point Dam releases in the upper 20s to lower 30,000 CFS range. Under the lower runoff condition, the season would start at full service and then be reduced during the second half. This would require Gavin's Point releases of lower to mid-30,000 CFS range. Under the upper runoff forecast, we're looking at full service levels in addition to releasing floodwaters. Releases from Gavin's would be around 52,000 CFS from early summer through November. Going on to navigation season length, the full navigation season length is eight months long. It goes from April through November. Based on the studies, there would be a full navigation season length for all the three runoff scenarios. In addition, under the upper runoff forecast, there would be a 10-day extension to the season. The spring pulse, the March and May spring pulses have been canceled for 2012. This was due to a variety of factors, including the 2011 flood and its impacts on the existing infrastructure and ecosystem that are still being assessed along with the ongoing review of the Independent Science Advisory Panel's report on the Gavin's Point Spring Pulse. Energy generation from the main stem dams. Uh, in 2011, there was 11.1 billion kilowatt hours that were generated from the main stem dams. That compares to the long-term average of 10 billion kilowatt hours. For this year's forecast, under the basic runoff condition, we're looking at 9.9 .9 billion kilowatt hours. And finally, garrison releases will likely be reduced in the next 8 to 10 days based on the forecast for much colder temperatures and prior to the river freezing in. Once the river freezes in, the release rate will gradually be increased later in January as downstream conditions permit. Thank you, Joel. Kim Thomas, Chief of the Omaha District Emergency Management Office, will now provide a levy repair status update. All right, thanks, Monique. Good afternoon. Uh, currently, the Omaha District has 19 eligible rehab projects uh, with a cost estimate of $280 million. Um, starting off in Iowa, uh, Levy 624-627, which is the Council Bluffs Levy, a construction contract was awarded on 22 December uh, to repair damages to the 28th Street and Veterans Memorial pump stations. Uh, the contractor is currently mobilizing equipment, performing surveys, and will begin demolition and excavation uh, early next week. Uh, levy 575, uh, which um, is between Percival, Iowa, and Hamburg, uh, con a construction contract was awarded on 25 October to construct levy setbacks at two separate breach locations. Uh, the contractor is currently constructing those levies at this time. Uh, the lower breach closure has not started as we are still waiting for real estate from the levy sponsor. Um, in Missouri, levy 
L550, which is near Rockport. A construction contract was awarded on 25 October uh, to construct levee setbacks at two separate breach locations. Uh, the contractor is um, currently placing those levees um, in the upper breach. Um, along with all those breaches, we'll have um, clay facing on them. On the lower breach, uh, the contractor is currently mobilizing equipment, uh, prepping haul roads, and acquiring access. Um, that's our update uh, for this afternoon. Thank you, Kim. Colonel Hoffman um, from Kansas City District will now provide an update of the status of levy repairs. Hey, Monique, uh, Robin Farmer, our project manager, is going to take it, so I'll turn it over to Robin. This is Robin Wonkum, our uh, Kansas City District. Uh, the number of rehab projects we requested assistance were 57. Uh, rough order magnitude of those damages is around $40 million. At this time, uh, in the state of Kansas, we have no active construction projects. In the state of Missouri, we have one contract award for our North Kansas City project. This project was awarded on 3 January to W.A. Ellis of Missouri to complete slope stability of this levee via stone placement um, on the left descending bank of the Missouri River between river miles 369 and 371. Notice to proceed was issued on 4 January and the contractor is currently mobilizing equipment to the site. This is all river, act river activities, so there is no activities on the uh, banks itself. Uh, for continuous updates, we, we ask that you refer to our website at www.nwk.usace.army.mil, and there is a levy rehabilitation tab in the center of that link. That is the end of the Kansas City report. Thank you, Robin. For questions related to... For questions related to FEMA, please contact them using the following phone numbers. For flood insurance questions, the number is 1-800-427-4661. For FEMA Region 7, the number is 816-283-7095. And for Region 8, 303-235-4908. Questions will now be fielded by the state um, for the Corps and for Dr. Toddy. We will begin with the State of South Dakota. Um, congressional delegation members, do we have any on the line who have questions? Hi, this is Tony Mangan at KCCR Radio. Um, for Jody, if I could ask, you said flood management or flood management is one of the big issues. Then if, if that's the case in the annual operating plan, why not provide more storage space in the reservoirs for what if there's if there's any uh, particular concern about uh, more moisture this year okay uh, thank you very much for the question Tony and before I go on to answer your question I'll congratulate you on the award we just heard you received thank you congratulations thank you uh, <clears throat> um, as described in the AOP um, what we intend to do is to have a flexible stance on our regulation as we evacuated the 2011 floodwaters and aggressive releases if it appeared that 2012 would be another high runoff year. Under the current uh, conditions, the runoff forecast that we have right now, we show that we will uh, provide about an additional 300,000 acre feet 
of additional flood control storage for the 2012 runoff season. And as was mentioned earlier, um, you know, looking at the basin conditions um, with very little plain snowpack out there and mountain snowpack running just about average, we feel that the glide path that we're currently on is, is good for the conditions that we're seeing. Now, certainly if we see conditions in the basin change, you know, here throughout the winter period, we will um, begin to have more aggressive releases. Given the fact that you the uh, lack of uh, snowpack and, and rainfall since fall, do, when do you is there a point when you start to maybe go into more water conservation? Um, or is you know, that too early? I, right now, it's it's too early. Um, you know, we're still very early in the runoff season or the snow accumulation season, as was mentioned earlier. We have you know, a couple big snow accumulation months ahead of us. Um, and, but certainly, if we see drought conditions developing in the basin um, as we uh, get towards the period where we start providing navigation flow support, uh, those conservation measures that are included in the master manual will kick in and will begin to conserve uh, water in the reservoir system. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Tony. We will now move back just to con congressional delegation members before we go back to media for South Dakota. Do we have any on the line who have any questions? Tribes for the state of South Dakota? State officials? Local government for South Dakota? Press? Moving on to Montana, do we have any Montana congressional delegation members on the line with questions? Tribes. State officials for Montana. Local government. Press. For the state of Wyoming, do we have any congressional delegation members with questions? Tribes, state officials, local government, press. For the state of Missouri, do we have any congressional delegation members with questions on the line? State officials, local government. Press for the state of Missouri. This is Marshall White at the News Press. Hi, Marshall. Hi. Questions for Jody? Go ahead, Marshall. I, uh, I just came from a meeting with Governor Nixon and area farmers, and the, the biggest question they had was, why isn't the Corps releasing more water downstream from Gavin's Point at this time of the year? Um. As you know, as we went through the fall, we uh, came up with a release strategy to evacuate the 2011 flood water and to prepare the system uh, for the 2012 runoff season. Um, we are uh, implementing that plan now. Our releases are uh, actually quite a bit above normal. Uh, we're on a 22,000 release average for the month of January. It's about 17,000. So we are evacuating at a higher rate and intend to have additional flood control storage available if our current forecast 
Fahrenheit. How, Jody, how much is 22,000 cubic feet uh, CFS uh, above the normal? What was the normal? The, the average for this time of year for January is about 17,000. Okay. So you're about 5,000 CFS more. Right. Okay. Uh, Colonel Hoffman. Hello? Is, is Colonel Hoffman there? Colonel Hoffman, are you on the line? I don't know that he's there, Marshall. We can try and follow up after the call if you uh, like. Is there hey, a Kansas City representative? Hey, can you hear me, Marshall? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, the governor just announced uh, uh, CDBG grants to cover uh, levy districts 20% uh, in northwest Missouri. Um, when will the Corps be letting those contracts, uh, since the counties or the levy districts now have uh, money for repairs? Right. The first thing, we expect that money to actually flow into us probably as early as Tuesday of next week for the community block grants for the uh, sponsor's share of that 80-20 split. Um, as far as contract awards, it really depends on each uh, particular uh, levy uh, based on a variety of reasons. More than just the non-federal sponsor share, there's also real estate issues, etc. So it really depends on which ones we're talking about, and we can get with you off offline on our projected contract awards for each of those. Over. Yeah, could you call this afternoon? Yeah, we can give you a call. Okay. Uh, Jody? Yes, Marshall. Uh, the long-term this summer, um, did I hear something about 50,000 cubic feet below Gavin's Point? Um, <clears throat> what that was referring to, um, as you know, when we update our monthly studies at the beginning of every month, we provide a range of, of runoff conditions and then reservoir elevations and releases. So under our most likely forecast or our basic forecast where we're talking about, about 26.5 million acre feet of runoff, our releases are in the upper 20s to low 30s during the summer months. If we would get um, that upper basic runoff, which would mean that conditions would turn to much wetter over the coming months, then we are looking at releases up in the 50,000 range in order to evacuate flood water. Okay. So it, it's, it's actually 20 to 30,000. Is the most likely, right. And that will maintain full navigation season. Yes, sir. Thank you. I think that's all I have. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you. Do we have any other press with the state of Missouri with questions? Yeah, this is uh, Rachel Littman with St. Louis Public Radio. Just for, for those of us who don't, uh, I guess, follow it as closely as those up in northwest Missouri do, bottom line, how much of a policy shift is this uh, in terms of flood control focus from when the annual operating plan was released for 2011 last year? Um, the 20... 12 annual operating plan does not represent a policy shift for the operation of the mainstream reservoirs. Uh, really what we're doing is providing more flexible operation um, and better communication. Uh, we are initiating several of the studies that I mentioned in my report um, to look at how we can best operate in the future. And those studies, uh, in combination with uh, other information, may uh, help us or help inform the decision on whether or not we would change the master manual or do a reallocation study, which would represent a policy shift. 
So this, this flexible um, stance that you have, that's just releasing water earlier, changing how the, the flows are. Um, when you say flexible, is that what that means? Right. It's, it's flexible, and it's still within the guides of the current master manual. And then how does the fact that these levees aren't going to be repaired um, factor into that decision to, to have to be more flexible? Well, that certainly uh, plays a role, and that's why you know, we showed higher than normal releases during this winter period and um, why we are attempting to evacuate additional flood control storage. So, go ahead. I was just going to say, you, you might want to discuss the difference between upper basin flooding and lower basin flooding as a reminder to everyone. Right. Um, Colonel Rook raises a good point. Um, you know, additional storage in the reservoir system provides um, flood risk reduction throughout the basin, but it doesn't preclude flooding, and particularly in the lower basin, the farther you move away from Gavin's Point Dam, um, the greater the flood risk, not due to releases, but due to incremental inflows from tributaries as a result of um, local rainfall events. So um, we're cognizant of that. We uh, want to be able to keep releases, if it, if it is a high runoff season, at a level that's low enough to allow those repairs to continue through the summer months and to protect those areas that don't have their levees uh, rebuilt. Do you have any additional questions, Rachel? No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Any other press with the state of Missouri with questions? Moving on to North Dakota, congressional delegation members on the line with questions. Do we have any North Dakota congressional delegation members on the line with questions? Reminder to press star six to come off mute. Tribes with the state of North Dakota. State officials with North Dakota. Yeah, we got one. Yeah, earlier it was forecasted that they were going to increase the flows uh, from Garrison Dam when the river froze, and it uh, doesn't seem to be likely uh, in the near future. Is there any more information on that? or? Sir, can you identify yourself, please? North Dakota Emergency Services. Okay, and your name? Tom Deering. Okay. Um, we have been adjusting the releases from Garrison uh, Reservoir throughout the winter period. Um, typically, the reach there in the Bismarck area freezes in in December, and you know we have different channel conditions this year than we've seen in previous years. Um, the previous couple years, we've tried to freeze in at a release of around 15 or 16,000 CFS, so in December, we cut back to that release rate. Uh, when we did that, we saw that the resulting stage was a couple feet lower than previous years, so we incrementally increased the releases. I believe we're on 23,000 released today out of Garrison. So we've been coming up on the releases. Um, we do anticipate that there'll be much colder temperatures coming into the basin um, next week, late, well, towards the mid to later part of next week. And because, you know, the Bismarck area itself has good channel capacity, but we are not uh, confident that the entire reach from Garrison down to Oahe Dam has that similar situation. So when that colder temperatures move into the basin, we will reduce the releases 
from garrison and freeze in at a lower level, once we get a good ice cover, we'll step our releases back up. Now, if, if the river, in fact, doesn't freeze in, uh, we can go up quicker than if we uh, do get a established ice cover there. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Are there any additional questions from local government in North Dakota? Press in North Dakota. Moving on to Kansas, congressional delegation member. Hello. Hello. Brian Gehring, Bismarck Tribune. One question for Jody. What's the target elevation for uh, Garrison going into March 1st, and how does that compare to where, where it was last year? Um, on the latest study, we show under the um, basic runoff condition that Garrison will be let me get to the right page here, about a half a foot below the base of the annual flood control pool. So we're showing 18. 1837.1 is what the study shows. So somewhere about a half a foot lower. Um, it's important to note that right now, today, we have all of the flood control capacity of the system available. We have the full 16 point, actually 16.4 available today. It's just not located where it will be by the first of the runoff year. So um, what we do during the winter months is we move water from the upper reservoirs, Fort Peck and Garrison in particular, down into Owyhee and Fort Randall in order to produce winter hydropower generation. So, you know, in the winter we're moving that water down, so we expect that the reservoir elevations at Fort Peck and Garrison will continue to decline over the next two months and that the reservoir elevation at Fort Randall will come up about 17 feet, and Oahe will come up um, slightly, maybe about half a foot. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Brian. Do we have any additional members of the press in North Dakota with questions? Just another reminder to remember to press star six to come off mute. We will now move on to Kansas. Um, congressional delegation members on the line with questions. Tribes, state officials, local government, press, state of Nebraska, congressional delegation members, tribes. Hey, sorry, I just got unmuted. Um, this is Ansley with Congressman Adrian Smith. Hello. Hello. Um, I believe my question is for Jody. Um, it has to it relates to kind of some of the uh, bills that have been introduced in Congress. Um, one, a couple of things specifically, uh, basically changing the Master Water Control Manual. And I guess my question is, do you believe going into this season, you and the Army Corps actually has the authority there under the Master, without without changing the manual entirely, do you have the authority and the flexibility to kind of um, I guess make changes and maneuver, kind of, and and not even you know uh, suggestions like going from a monthly regulatory change to a daily or a weekly change. Um, do you kind of have those things without actually changing the entire master water control manual? Are you pretty confident that that the, the core can kind of respond to these things more flex uh, with more flexibility than last year? Yeah, we believe that the flexibility that's existing under the current master manual is is well within our control and allows us to operate for changing conditions. Um, we don't 
require any congressional authorization or approval to operate in this flexible manner going forward. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any um, other congressional delegation members on the line with the state of Nebraska who have questions? Tribes. State officials. Local government, Nebraska. Press. I'm sorry. This is Ansley. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Um, Okay, sorry. I guess uh, there, I don't hear a lot of questions. Um, but I guess another thing I would I would ask if, if someone there has maybe an idea or an estimate, uh, when it comes to actually changing the existing manual, which I think is what um, some folks would like to um, statutorily require the court to do, um, could you give us an, an idea of how much time and the cost I mean, given, you know, all the things that the Corps has to do right now just to prepare, prepare for this season, um, could you could you maybe give us an idea of how much, uh, you know, I know that a lot of work went into establishing that manual in the first place. <laughs> Does someone have any idea what kind of work that would take? Okay. Um, well, we have no intention of changing the master manual prior to the 2012 runoff season. Um, the master manual is a core document. We do not require... Um, direction from Congress to change it. It's within our authority to change it, although uh, if we did open up the master manual, it would require um, study and our funding would have to necessarily come from Congress to do that. Um, changing the master water control manual also involves, uh, would involve NEPA and a public process. So it's not uh, something that can be accomplished very quickly. Uh, last year it took, or last time we updated the manual, it, it took 14 years and cost more than $30 million. It doesn't necessarily have to take that sort of a course either, but it is a public process and it would take some period of time and would involve uh, complying with other environmental laws and other laws, including NEPA. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. This is Brent Martin with uh, Nebraska Radio Network. And I'm not sure exactly who to address this to, but kind of in general, how vulnerable is the lower Missouri River Basin to floodwaters right now, and how much repair work on the levee system can we reasonably expect before spring? Yes, yeah, sir, this is Kim Thomas. Um, you know, I think I think what we have to remember here is what Jody spoke to earlier is that the greatest risk to flooding in that area is from the unregulated flows um, below the dams. Um, just happened not to be that this last year. Um, those levees are definitely in, in critical condition. You know, we're going to get them closed up. We're going to get the breaches closed up. We're going to get all the critical repairs done. Um, but there is still a lot to go there. We had a lot of seepage concerns that we have to go through and get geotech investigation on, um, do analysis, do design. Um, so those issues are not going to be uh, fixed uh, prior to uh, the 2012 runoff season. And uh, Kim, can you give me an idea of what the difference is between doing the critical repairs, getting those done, and having the levees where you actually want them? What because that's what I hear you saying is they're going to get in there, get the 
get the repairs that must be fixed the holes, so to speak. But what's the difference between getting those repairs made and having the levees where they need to be? Right now we're looking at um, anything that happened into the critical section of the levee. So the breaches are considered in that critical area. Um, any of the scour areas um, into the critical section of the levee, which includes um, the whole levee and then the slopes of the levee out to the toes of the levee, um, those pieces will be fixed. It's the under foundation seepage issues that require extensive analysis, and that takes time. And it, just one last thing on that. I think you mentioned earlier, I think it was you who mentioned about the money from Congress. Is the money there to repair the levees? Uh, we have received um, partial funding for partial of the levees, um, partial um, pieces of them. Um, we're still uh, awaiting uh, how the rest will come in. So you've got to make the, these emergency repairs, so to speak, I guess, but not you're still waiting funding to repair the levees and restore them to the where they were prior to the flood. Yeah, and this is Colonel Rook. I mean, yes, yeah, so the the money that that we understand is coming down. I, I believe we are going to be in very good shape. It's just now a matter of time. The money came in, it, you know, and we're getting things. Some of this work will begin in January. Some of it will begin in February. But we we have you know taken a good, hard, critical look at the work that must be done to be ready for this runoff season. As we said, you know, we, we'll get these breaches filled in. I'm confident we're going to have them back to, uh, back to the proper level. Any place where we have a cut into the critical levy section, I'm, I'm convinced that we're, we're going to get that, that work done. As Kim said, it's, it's just this deeper work that requires a lot of analysis that, uh, you know, we're going to continue. Remember, most of those levees held, held up very well through the flood of 2011. Um, so, you know, we, we, we know where our greatest weaknesses are, and that's where we're putting our greatest strength. And I'm confident with the funding and, and what Congress has, has passed that uh, we, ha we will have the resources we need now. And that was Colonel Rook. I'm sorry. Yes. And, and it, it, how long do you think it will, if you get the money, how long will it take to, to restore the levees to where they and were? We probably need a full year to get things completely restored back to uh, pre-flood conditions. But, you know, as I said, we, in our mind, and with our sponsors, we have ideas as to what the critical things are that need to be ready for as early as March 1st when we consider the runoff season to, to begin and where, where we could be in some danger of rising waters. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brent. Do we have an additional question? Any additional questions from members of the press with the state of Nebraska? This is Art Hovey with the Journal Star in Lincoln. Can Hi, you hear Art. Are you all right? Yes, we can hear you fine. Okay. I have three things here that I want to ask about. I'll try to be, uh, not until the results came out from the panel review did I understand that there's not a concrete spillway for Oahe. Am I saying that correctly? You are. Uh, how big a hindrance is that in staying ahead of things? Well, we have many ways to release water at Oahe. We have water that comes out of the tunnels. We have water that comes through the powerhouse. This is the emergency spillway that, that is not aligned, uh, that is not aligned spillway. The, the risk was, and we could have run water through it, and we would have run water through it without any, any fear of failure, but what we would have had is a lot of damage at, at the point where it enters back into the Missouri River. We would have cut off an important road to the folks in that area as well that leads up to the dam, and, and that's why we did not. It, it, is, it can be, you could, 
and for that reason, you could say it was somewhat of a limiting factor to us. But we would have run it if we had the need to do so for the reasons of safety. I see. Okay. Uh, another question, uh, and I'm sorry that I don't understand this better, but I thought that when the river freezes over farther north than Nebraska, that that placed some pretty strong limits on what you could release for water because of the risk of ice jams. But I think I understood Jody to say that when you've got a good freeze on the river, you're going to increase your releases again. Can you clear up my confusion about that? Sure, Art. Um, what happens is during the actual ice formation on the river, and particularly I'm talking about up in the Bismarck area, the river stage rises dramatically over a short period of time, typically five to seven feet over a day or two days. So what we do up in that reach when the river freezes over is we reduce the releases so we're at a low enough level prior to the freeze that we can withstand that five to seven foot rise without causing ice jam flooding. Once the ice cover gets established, the channel bottom will smooth out, the bottom of the ice will smooth out, and we're able to gradually increase releases from Garrison Dam and, and push water through that more efficient pipeline essentially underneath the ice. So it now, goes under the ice. It goes under the ice, right. I see. Okay. Now, down here uh, on the lower river, um, if you remember back in the drought years, many times we increased releases during periods of ice formation, and that was to protect water supply intake. So it's different in different reaches of the river, but uh, the real constriction that we have um, in terms of ice is there at Bismarck during the ice freeze-in period. I see. Okay. And lastly, uh, when last I checked on this, I thought I understood that as many as 13 members of the congressional delegation from the Missouri River Basin had raised concerns about what the Corps would do to manage the river in 2012, and the nature of their concern right down the line seemed to be that there should be more than 16.3 million acre-feet of storage available. And I want to ask somebody, not sure to whom to direct it, to what extent do you feel like you've satisfied the concerns of members of the delegation? Well, we, you know, we took their input and also input from um, others in the basin as we uh, presented our draft annual operating plan. We had public meetings. We received many emails and letters. And, and what we committed to there is, is this more flexible approach to operating the reservoir system and also to uh, being aggressive on our releases if it appears that 2012 will be another high runoff season. So, Do you feel like they signed off on that? Hey, Jody, um, this I, I is Gerald McMahon. Can I jump in on this? Absolutely, sir. <laughs> okay. So, so um, what's also going on is we're uh, beginning a study. Uh, Jody's team has begun a study to look at if we were to change the 16.3 million acre feet what would the new number be and why, and what would some of the impacts of that new number be to the uh, authorized purposes? That study will answer the call by the congressionals and the governors and others. Uh, you know, we, we have to do this deliberately, and so uh, we don't want to willy-nilly throw out a new number. We want to study it, and we, we have a plan to study it and produce a result report by the end of March that will then inform members of Congress and the public at large and begin a potential uh, discussion about, okay, with this new number, if it is a new number, um, do we want to take it on in terms of revising the master manual, which is what the next step would logically be with, 
with the new number on the basis of this study. So we, we've taken this input from uh, all camps. We're in the midst of uh, a study that Jody and her team are undertaking as we speak, and we'll have a result, an output from that study by the end of March. I see. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Art. Do we have um, any other questions from the press in the state of Nebraska? Yes, this is Nancy Zarder from the World Herald. Hi, Nancy. Can you turn up your volume a little bit? We we can barely hear you. Better. Better. It's a little scratchy. Go ahead. Okay. Um, you uh, in in the, in the Omaha district, it sounds like you'll have all your critical areas repaired. Does that go the same for the for the city district? I'm going to repeat the question. Um, Nancy asked, in the Omaha district, do we intend to have all of our uh, critical repairs done by March 1st, and is that the same for Kansas City district? I'm going to respond to that, Ken. Anybody from Kansas City district yeah, on the line? Yes, Colonel Hoffman, from the Kansas City district's perspective, we probably will not get there by 1 March. Uh, based on a variety of reasons, as I stated earlier, um, there's a variety of things with a non-federal levy uh, that some of which are out of our control, working with the sponsors, such as the cost share, real estate issues, et cetera. So if she's talking about all of our levies, um, I would say the answer would be no. Over. I, I think I see the problem with my audio here. Um, no, I, I'm asking if, if, if specifically do you expect your levies to be the same level of readiness as the Omaha districts in that your most critically defined areas are going to be ready, and then the lesser critical ones will just take longer. Not by one March, as you stated in your question. Okay. Over. Okay. And then, Kim, on the under seepage problem, what could you just explain that just a little bit, what you mean by that, that that's the piece that will take a little bit longer? What, what does that mean, under seepage problem? I think I'll have John Bertino, the Chief of Engineering from the Omaha District, take that question. Go ahead, John. Hi, Nancy. This is John. Um, basically, what happens uh, during a big flood like this is that you get water up against the levee on the riverside and it flows underneath. Um, there is a certain amount of energy that's dissipated on the landward tow, and if that energy is great enough, it actually some of the foundation materials with it. So, like Kim said earlier, you know, our focus is to get the breaches and the damage done to the critical sections done first, and then we'll come back and we'll look at specific areas where we know we have issues, we'll do the analysis, we'll do the field work, and then we'll attack those probably later on in the summer. Hey, I, and what I'd like to say as well as Colonel Ruck, that Many of those areas we, we tightened up at least with temporary fixes yeah. during during this flood, and that's what those seepage blankets that we applied uh, that they performed that function. Yeah. So now we're looking at more permanent solutions and maybe some areas that we didn't actually put that put that application on. Correct. Okay. And then um, you say you'll have this study done by by end of March, looking at whether and what should be a change in your storage storage capacity. Um, if you were to recommend something significant, I'm thinking now the proposal of a six-foot drop in some of your major reservoirs, what would be a realistic expectation of the amount of time it would take to work its way through the whole review process and approval process and actually people would see a lower level in a lake? Well, Nancy, I think um, 
there's uh, to do a master manual revision would certainly um, involve a great amount of study and coordination. We'd have to look at impacts to other authorized purposes. Um, so, you know, if we if if we decide to go down that path, we're probably looking at a multi-year effort to do that. However, we do have the ability um, to deviate from the current master manual if we felt that it was critical that we had additional flood control storage in the system available in the interim, we could do a deviation until those studies were done. So um, I, I wouldn't think that it would absolutely have to be many years before we would see any changes. So your study that you hope to have in March would presumably address the issue of do we have a critical situation where we need an interim extra storage? Yeah, I think that's what it is. And, and then what would the impacts of additional storage have on the other authorized purposes, just a, a limited analysis of that. Okay. And then a quick question on Gavin's point releases during the summer. How does that 20,000 to 30,000 CFS compare to normal, compare to average for that time of year? That would be very close to average. What we're doing in a normal year, meeting navigation flows when we're not either in a drought or evacuating flood control water. Okay. And then... Um, can you explain just a minute again how um, how it is that you manage releases from how it is that you would plan to manage releases from Gavin's Point this year to account for the higher flood risk below Gavin's Point from locally locally heavy rains? Does that make sense? Right. Um, you know, it, it really depends on where those rains fall because um, you know the travel times often prohibit us from. <laughs> reducing flood or reducing stages downstream. Um, for example, you know, if we would get a heavy rain downstream of Omaha, it would take several days for a release reduction to make its way down to that area. So many times there's very little we can do. But by using the reservoir system, if, if the rain falls further out on the tributaries or um, if it's a, a longer duration event, many times we're able to provide flood risk reduction by reducing our reservoir releases. And, and typically that's how, that is the primary um, way that this reservoir system provides flood control is by reducing releases during periods of high downstream runoff to reduce flood risk downstream. So it, it depends on uh, where that rain falls and the amount of time we have. But if we have the full flood control capacity of the system available and we are not experiencing you know, the record sort of inflows that we did last year, uh, that capacity in the reservoir should allow us to respond to downstream conditions. Okay. And how does this final plan differ from the draft? Um, there are no wholesale changes. Uh, the, if you would compare the two documents, you would see that uh, we've addressed the input of the independent review panel. We tried to uh, provide better for clarification on uh, many of the issues in particular related to flood control. And then we talked about um, this uh, flex more flexible stance that we are taking and uh, aggressive releases. And also um, we talk in there more about the increased coordination. In particular, as we move through 2012, if we see that the runoff is going to be outside that range that we cover in the annual operating plan, we will aggressively increase our coordination with the states and the local emergency management folks to ensure that they are prepared for um, 
you know, another high runoff year. You know, at the current time, we're not seeing that, but it is still very early in the season. Right. But I think I hear you say no wholesale changes, perhaps more clarification. But I, are there, in terms of being more flexible and aggressive, are there changes? Are, are you somehow more flexible in this final than you were in the draft? Well, I think we uh, attempted to better articulate what our intentions okay. are. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Any other members of the press of the state of Nebraska who have questions? This is Marshall White, Nantha News Press. Uh, could I interject here and ask a question? Sure, sure. Go right ahead, uh, General. General McMahon, sir, are you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we can hear you. Uh, you indicated that there's an ongoing study by Jody and her staff that you hope to have done by the end of March. Yes, sir. Will there be a chance for public comment before the study's finished or after the study is finished? No, this is, well, well, not before. I mean, this is a technical study. This is what Jody and her, her team of experts uh, are uh, very uh, highly trained to do. Now, certainly, as I said, Marshall, the outcome or the output of the study will be a public discourse about, okay, well, what do we do with this new number, assuming there is a new number, and these, this understanding as articulated in the report, as Jody said, about impacts to, uh, you know, cursory understanding of impacts to the other seven authorized purposes. So, so that will begin a public comment period, a public discussion. I'm sure members of Congress, governors, and others will look at the report very thoroughly and evaluate its findings and, and then begin the, the real, on the basis of some hard technical analysis, what do we do about this? How much are we willing to trade off between authorized purposes if we were to uh, uh, have more flood control uh, storage space beyond 16.3 million acres? Do you anticipate at some point in that holding public hearings? Um, again, I, I think what you're, what you're pointing to is the public process that is typically part and parcel to a master manual revision process as we saw last time. So okay. ultimately okay. before before you know we, we come to a decision, I, I think there will be uh opportunity for public to get very decisively engaged and, and make comment and uh and all that over. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yes sir. Oh, this is Nancy from the World Herald again. I had one last question. Hello? Hello? Sorry, Nancy. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. The 300,000 extra acre feet that you might have um, by March 1, is that something that you would have had under the draft, or is that a reflection of the change from the draft to the final? Um, that's a reflection of the, the change. Um, typically what we do as we move through the winter period, if our Regular monthly studies would show that we're coming in lower than the base of the annual flood control pool. We would make adjustments to releases to uh, come in right there uh, to provide 16.3 million acre feet of runoff. So that is a change. Um, studies, though, in the draft AOP were not uh, changed between the draft and the final, except that we include the five-year extensions in the final AOP. Um, but really, the focus now, um, as we move forward, should be at these regular monthly studies that we're updating. And, okay. and so, but in, it's part of that flexible releases. 
And then also, presumably, that reflects changes in weather conditions, too, that, that you can do the 300,000, hopefully. That's correct, yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Any other press with the state of Nebraska with questions before we move on to Iowa? Iowa congressional delegation members, is there anyone on the line with questions? State officials for Iowa. Hello? Hello? Yes, go right ahead. Hi, this is Bentley from Steve King's office, uh, Bentley Graves. Um, I just wanted to, where, the the point that we're at now with uh, with the various um, uh, projections we have for runoff, um, is that, I mean, are we about in the same place we were this time last year as far as runoff projections go? I mean, at this point last year, we weren't, we, we also weren't expecting uh, any kind of increased runoff yet. Is that correct? The kind of runoff we saw, correct? No, I think last year, even in January, we well, I think we were about the same. You know, we had more plain snowpack at that time. Um, I don't recall actually the number on mountain snowpack. 110. We were predicting 110 percent. Yeah, we had 110 percent of normal mountain snowpack this time last year. Yeah. Okay. So um, the reservoirs themselves are uh, slightly lower than they were last year at this time, or the system as a whole, um, and our runoff forecast is. Uh, reflecting the drier conditions uh, than we saw last fall. It's, it's a good question. I mean, we're, nobody nobody's doing any kind of victory dance or, you know, or is overly happy with the dry conditions. It's a good sign. But, I, you know, what you're indicating is that unpredictable rainfall that really brought this event on is, is not one that's seen in normal predictions. So it, it, it is a good question. Well, the reason I ask is because, you know, I think – you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about the the, the flexibility that the core has, but I I think, you know, getting up to 160,000 CFS releases from Gavin's point was, you know, largely a, a product of the flexibility that the core has. I mean, you know, obviously we got there, which is well out of the norm of the regular releases, but uh, you know, that was you know, largely due to the trying to kind of play catch up. And I you know I I guess I only raised that point because again, you know, as you said, I mean, there was unexpected rainfall that that largely caused the flooding last year and you know there are uh, any number of things that could bring on similar flooding this year and 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 so you know I guess I would just add that into the mix here that you know, just because I guess the core has the flexibility I mean they had the flexibility last year too and we still ended up with releases of 160,000 CFS and so you know I think just just to, again add this into the mix you know it's one of the reasons why a number of the members of the congressional delegation have suggested that uh, you know there be a permanent reallocation so I just kind of throw that in there. It's not so much a question, so. Yeah, and I, I will say that, you know, we are taking great strides to improve our runoff forecast. And if we had the identical conditions we had last year, we would be forecasting more runoff than we did last year. You know, we recognized where some of our shortcomings were. We got good input from the independent review panel. And if conditions were identical to last year, we would be evacuating additional water right now and, and using more of that flexibility. Thank you, Bentley. Any other congressional delegation members with the state of Iowa? State officials in Iowa. Just a reminder to press star six to come off mute if you have questions. Do we have any state officials with the state of Iowa with questions? Local government. 
Press for the state of Iowa. Hello, this is Derek Hill. Hi, Derek. Who are you with? Uh, state of state. Okay, go state ahead with your Iowa. question. State of Iowa. Yeah. My, my my question has to do with uh, the effect of uh, releases out of Gavin's Point and what's going to be looking, what it's going to look like on the ground when it starts flowing uh, downriver. With the changes uh, that have occurred uh, in the river with degradation of the banks, cuts that have occurred, our historical data and our historical memory of, of what uh, the river looked like and when it would be go when and where it would go out of its bank is probably no longer accurate. Have you or has anybody else looked at some of these areas that could be potential problems and say at the 35 uh, CFS level out of Gavin's, uh, an area could be expecting flood into what ex extent? Or at a 50 or 52 CFS out of Gavin's, uh, an area that may not have flooded in the past that could be flooding this time. Have y'all looked at that? Or do you plan to look at it? This is John Remus, uh, Hydrologic Engineering Branch in Elma District. Uh, we are looking at the gauges and uh, the gauge trends uh, at all the gauges up and down the river, and we have seen some significant degradation uh, most significantly in the, uh, the Sioux City area, where we've seen three, three feet uh, due to the flooding. Now, we're expecting some of that to recover, but probably not fully. So, so all of the flows are going to be, you know, 30,000 CFS up to bank full. are probably going to be a couple of feet lower this coming year in most places than they were pre-flood conditions. Is that south of Council Bluffs also? Yes, we saw uh, degradation at those gauges as well. Not quite as much as Sioux City, though. Okay, but what about the areas where the bank has been degraded, and the light? And you know, I'm wondering if we've got a likelihood that we're going to have overflow on the banks at a much lower CFS than we would have had in, in say, 2010 or in early 2011. There are there are a number of places where we have seen uh, uh, channels form across the floodplain that uh, would see water. Uh, uh, Leave the channel at a lower flow. We're going to evaluate those those this winter to determine uh, uh, what can be done or if there needs to be anything done in some of those areas. Some of those areas will need some repair work. Uh, some of them, uh, the water may leave the uh, the channel but not get out into the floodplain necessarily. Okay. Who can we contact to get more specific information on that? Uh, you can contact me. Uh, my phone number is. Uh, would, would you give us that number again? We're writing it down, please. Hey, Derek, can you just call me Monique Farmer, and then I'll get it for you offline, and my number is 402-995-2420. Monique, okay. thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was our last question. Okay, thank you. Do we have any um, local, other local government officials with the state of Iowa on the line with questions? Press with the state of Iowa. Any questions? Do we have any national press on the line with questions? Do we have any alibi questions? Oh, this is Bob Pretty at the Missouri Net. Um, Hi, Bob. In Jefferson City. I, I think I've been on and off mute about four times, so I apologize for not getting in when I should have. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I uh, Just two or three questions. First of all, uh, Jody, would you have uh, 
Would you have Joe and uh, Kevin spell their last names for me? Sure. Um, uh, Kevin Stom, S-T-A-M-M. Okay. And then Joel, J-O-E-L, Konopchinsky. It's K-N-O-F-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. just like it spelled. I guess uh, one of the question I have for you, Jody, is if uh, if the Corps had had uh, this mindset a year ago at this time, would there have been much of an appreciable difference in what those of us downstream from Gavin's Point saw happen? Um. You know, I think what the independent panel uh, came up with and, and what our own analysis shows is that, you know, the 2011 runoff was uh, just extraordinary. Um, we presented in our annual operating plan uh, some different scenarios, and we showed that had we gone to our previous record release in every month, January through May, that the peak releases from Gavin's Point would have been reduced slightly um, by about Twenty to 30,000 cubic feet per second, but would still be, you know, more than one and a half times the previous record release rate. It's, and, and I guess the other way to look at that, if you take the runoff in 2011 and just divide it out by 365 days, we would have needed 83,500 CFS flowing by Sioux City every day of last year to pass this water through. Um, and then if you assume we can't pass that much in the winter, then you'd be looking at 30,000 during the winter and, and over 100,000 the other nine months. So, um, you know, certainly there are ways that we can operate the reservoir system um, more efficiently, um, but in a repeat of an event like last year, uh, there's no way to avoid the extraordinary re releases unless you had enough storage capacity that you could carry flood water over from one year into the next. Um, that would be the only way that you could get releases back down to uh, the previous record releases or to something that looks more normal. Thank you. Question for the folks in Kansas City, um, and maybe this applies to Omaha too, but uh, let me start with Kansas City. It seems like we've had a, a nice mild winter where a lot of work could have been done on levees, but is that is that balanced by the lack of money and the continued uh, oh, about 30% extra water coming out of Gavin's Point into the river, causing some high water down here? Has, 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 have things worked against taking advantage of this good winter that we've had? Hey, Bob, this is Colonel Hoffman. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, more funding, not the water issues that you noted. It's more based on funding. Over. So you're ready to roll now and, and get some work done on levees as long as this weather holds. Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, again, uh, most of our levies in the Kansas City District are non-federal, and with that comes uh, additional challenges that we're we're up for. But uh, you know, as I stated, there's cost share agreements with uh, the sponsors. There's real estate issues, etc. So each one's going to be uh, have its own challenges. But yes, uh, you are correct. We are ready to roll, and we've been working. Uh, over the holiday break, even prior to the uh, appropriations being approved, and uh, we, we're working those issues over. Can, can you give me an idea of what, what you mean by real estate issues? 
Sure. Uh, I've got the project manager, Robin Wonkum, and uh, Judd Kniven here. We can go into some details on that. Hey, Bob, this is Judd. Yeah, Hi, Judd. for uh, levy rehabilitation, the sponsors is responsible for providing uh, all borrow necessary to repair, plus any easements that are necessary to construct and in some cases uh, to make small realignments. We can't do anything until we have that right away from the sponsor uh, to construct. So that's that's most of your 57 levies that you mentioned earlier, right? It's required in all 57. Uh, real estate's always required. Uh, it, it becomes a bigger issue on the non-federal levies because they sustain more of the, more of the overtop breach damage, and they generally require a lot of small realignments. And uh, the levy sponsors have to deal with individual landowners to acquire that right away. It makes it much more complicated than when you're dealing with the federal levy and you're not necessarily realigning, you're just repairing in place. Over. Okay. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate hearing your voices again. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Do we have any other members of the press on the line with um, the state of Iowa? I think that was where we were before we got Bob. Okay, then any national press? Any alibi questions? We will host our next call Friday, January 20th at 1 p.m. Central Time. An updated media advisory will be distributed as a reminder in advance of the call. Um, we will attach a press kit to that media advisory. Thank you for participating on today's call. We are now adjourned. <laughs>